what nutritional supplements do you recommend to your patients or do you not recommend nutritional supplements? I can start from a GI perspective. Um, I tend to have a lot of patients that come in on a ton of supplements. Um, and I take the same approach as I talk about with probiotics and digestive enzymes and to take a step back to determine what do you actually need? What are you actually deficient in that you need to be supplementing? Trying to get most patients on a, if you're on a pretty diverse diet that is well sort of with a bunch of fruits, bunch of vegetables and whole grains, the likelihood that you need sort of this boatload of supplements that patients come in with is unlikely. I talk to them about how supplements works, many of them being A, not FDA approved. So we don't know what else is going into them, what other chemicals, what else is being used to create those, those capsules and gels. Um, and also many of them are water soluble. So they're like, oh yeah, I do urinate a lot. Yes, because you are getting rid of all of those things that you just spent a lot of money on to be able to, to obtain. And so I take a lot of time to take, to take, to check those things that are most commonly sort of deficient. A lot of my women iron deficient. So we check their iron levels. Do you need to be on an iron supplement? Vitamin D is also very common. So we test that to look for the, you know, are your vitamin D levels low? That's the thing that we sort of supplement. We check your calcium, magnesium, all of those things in sort of our routine labs, your B12, your folate, all of those common things to see if that's something that you need to be sort of supplementing. And because in some of our patients, that is some patients that have had small bowel surgeries, who have Crohn's disease, who have celiac disease. These are things that put patients at risk to have certain deficiencies. So these are things that you know we talk about in sort of a sort of in clinic, but sometimes patients will come in with a bunch of symptoms, and I see those symptoms in the, the medications that they're the supplements or the cause of some of those symptoms um, at times. Patient coming in with diarrhea and she's on magnesium four times a day. Well, there that's our that's the reason why you have diarrhea because of the magnesium. So sometimes it's as simple as removing some of those things. Um, are having, I'm um, doing my training at a transplant center, seeing patients that have had to, um, that have been worked up for a liver transplant due to supplementation. So these medications, even though everybody thinks they're natural um, and they're, you know, herbal and all of these, you know, fancy words they use as, again, marketing, um, does not mean there's sort of, there's not a, there's not side effects from those things that are potentially harmful. So definitely sort of getting patients to, to I go through those lists. What are you taking? Even if it's over the counter, even if it's a natural supplement, what are you taking? What are you taking it for? Who told you you needed to be taking that? And what are you actually deficient in? And how can we change that with your diet itself? Um, and, you know, basically really sort of curtailing what you need based on actual deficiencies. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'll jump in. I, I agree with Dr. Laster and in, in, in particularly with the supplements because, uh, you know, supplements can be, you know, tricky. And, um, you know, we use supplements in a targeted fashion. We see a good number of people who are vitamin D deficient. And we actually have our own brand of supplements that we recommend. It comes from a, a known source that's tested, uh, double tested in independent labs for impurities. And, and supplements by, in my mind, by definition are all, none of them are truly natural because of isolated nutrients. Now we have to use them uh, in a targeted fashion. So if someone has a very, very low vitamin D level, then we have to supplement to get it up. At the same time, we say, okay, eat mushrooms and get more sunshine. You know, they're doing all of that at the same time. But, but we're very careful with supplements and have a similar uh, perspective as Dr. Laster in the sense that we see lots, a number of patients coming in with lots of supplements. And, and one problem with the supplements is that they're not regulated. So many people are getting the supplements over the counter, even from health food stores. 
And many supplements have more than what the so-called, you know, uh, uh, recommended or, or proposed ingredient. And so have filler molecules and the like. And so these things could be hepatotoxic. They could be nephrotoxic, you know, so they can have, you know, adverse effects on the body as a whole. And we've had people come in on herbs of various supplements, have arrhythmias and different problems. So one thing we do is take them off supplements. And my concept is fairly simple. I thought the foundation of your nutrition should be foodaceuticals. So that's optimal nutrition as a plant-based diet. Next to that would be nutraceuticals as needed. And then uh, uh, above that, the pharmaceuticals, uh, if you're desperate enough, you know, as a last resort. So your foundation always starts with food and the optimal diet starts with what you don't eat first and foremost, as opposed to what you do eat. Uh, the, the, the biggest junk food eater in the world every now and then probably lets a piece of broccoli sit past their tongue. But, but it's the not eating of the bad foods. And so I think that's the most important part. And, and I seem maybe a little bit more cruel than some other people, but you know we have this concept, not a bite, not a drop, not a crumb, of any of these foods that you know are bad, dead animal flesh, processed chemicals, processed sugars, et cetera. And so we take that process approach first and foremost, and then we target supplements as needed. So we may use methane or MSM, which uh, is an elemental sulfur that helps the body produce glutathione, which is number one uh, antioxidant. We may use a concentrated curcumin, which uh, is anti-inflammatory. Many of our people have an, uh, inflammatory disease, arthritis and the like. So we'll use that to decrease their pain symptoms, to avoid the need for uh, uh, non-steroidals or steroidal agents. Uh, we will use, as I mentioned before, vitamin D. We see lots of vitamin D deficiency. Oddly enough, we don't see a lot of people with B12 deficiency, but we use that as needed. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll use liposomal vitamin C for people with atherosclerosis, people with inflammatory conditions and the like, and other supplements as needed. But, but again, we try to be very targeted. We will get special uh, micronutrient testing uh, from certain places where you can look at intracellular ions. Maybe the serum magnesium may be normal, but intracellular magnesium may be low. And so we may use a target magnesium supplementation. So we try to be targeted with it, but we try to do that on the foundation of an optimal nutritional regimen. And many of the symptoms will correct in that way, uh, but not to overload people with supplements. Thank you. I'll just shout out on one. I, I am a supplement trained cardiologist. I've been through hundreds of hours of university training, but I'm very selective and I really try and keep my patients list down to three, four, five. But I, I just want to mention coenzyme Q10. Uh, people on statins, if you study the biochemistry of the enzyme that statins interfere with, they also will lower the production of coenzyme Q10, an important antioxidant, important in the generation of ATP energy. And although there hasn't yet been a massive randomized study that if you're taking a Lipitor or Crestor, you ought to take a small or medium amount of coenzyme Q10. Most of us that know the biochemistry think it's a reasonable idea uh, and may you know, help with tolerance. Uh, coenzyme Q10 does support those uh, studies that it raises ejection fraction in people with impaired heart strength. And then there's finally, there's a randomized study in Sweden with 14 years follow-up if you're a healthy 70-year-old on CoQ10 or placebo, you're likely to do better on CoQ10 in terms of cardiac events. So that is one that's you know widely available 
extremely safe because the doses we use are a fraction of what have been used in some neurologic randomized studies with safety. But uh, you know, but don't put your patient on 50. I will say last statement. Most of the world's leading anti-aging experts, Harvard University professors, and I'll take 40, 50 vitamins a day. And you know, it's intriguing. I know what they're taking, uh, but there's no proof. I'd rather they eat 40 or 50 different fruits, vegetables, grains, and legumes a day, but uh, we haven't won them over yet. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Bashira, did you want to add anything? Um, no, I think everybody covered it. I, the only supplement that I also might consider that we haven't talked about um, in patients with irritable bowel syndrome, sometimes peppermint can be helpful to control some of their symptoms. Um, and that, you know, is per our guidelines that, that peppermint can help. So otherwise, I, I kind of agree with... Um, what other people have commented here, and especially what Dr. Laster said, is that I really try to minimize the supplements um, because we also we see it on the, the back end when patients are coming in with liver failure. So if uh, levels are low, vitamin D, B12, then, then definitely they need to supplement. Usually B12 is kind of the most common one that um, I recommend. But um, yeah, otherwise I try to minimize supplements and focus on just getting the nutrients that you need from your from your diet.